life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LeBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. G'day there, fellow humans. Mark LeBusque here for the Simply Practically Human podcast, the 4S edition, the short, sharp, self-indulgent solo edition podcast. It uh, goes for around 15, 20 minutes. People often ask me about how do I go about doing these, what preparation is there, and I'm going to say there is about a minute's preparation. I'll walk into the recording studio at home. I will have a thought bubble and write a couple of bullet points and then away we go. And uh, again, people are like, how do you get through that? And say, well, you just talk. And I really encourage you all, if you want to get over some of the nervousness of public speaking or get to understand your craft a bit more, whatever it is your craft is, is have a go at it. And the other thing to get over is hearing the sound of your own voice because uh, that's one of the greatest put-offs for people who – um, don't podcast or don't do this sort of stuff is they go, oh, my voice, oh, I don't like my voice. I said um too much or ah too much like I do. But give it a go if you're looking to grow. And that's sort of where we're heading today with this uh, episode of the podcast. It is about growth and it's about career. And I'm going to share some things today. I'm going to share some of my tools and tips from my first book called Being Human why robots aren't the answer to business success around unlocking potential versus pigeonholing yourself or pigeonholing others. I'm going to share with you, as I usually do, some of my own lived experience because I think lived experience is starting to become something that is being accepted as a useful way to teach and a useful way to help others to learn and grow and maybe leave you with a challenge today to Go and do a bit more work around yourself and your career, whatever that might be, whether it's a career where you are today or maybe you're thinking about a big jump out of what you're doing. So where to start today? Well, so many places. Um, I'm going to go back to 2009 and one of my psychometric profiling experiences I went through, I'll call it that, where they, you know, the corporate crystal balling uh, that we've been through. And I've got many examples of that. And I got to say that I don't mind it if it's done with good intention. I don't like it when it's used as a lazy way to start off a uh, leadership development program, let's say. So um, I am looking at a summary of a conversation I had on the 18th of December, 2009. And it was a summary of a conversation around some psychometric profiling that had been done, including some interviews with a psych. And this is what came back out of that. And this is about me. It's I'm currently capable. So Mark is currently capable of contributing at an operational domain of work. His cognitive capability is operational directional, and it seems to be a match to his current work requirements. And his future and long-term capability is really going to be in consolidating in operational directional more so than into the strategic and sort of top end of longer term thinking. So there's some pigeonholing straight up. My strength for business acumen, 
my strengths were becoming a business advisor and driving execution. Little one that popped up there, which I liked, I like, and I didn't think about it much then, was to build organisational talent. The things they wanted me to focus on, or I should be focusing on, was the ability to coach and develop others and sell the vision. I needed to be better at cultivating networks, that I had a good network, but I really needed to be more proactive in expanding that both internally and externally. I need to ask more open-ended questions, and I need to be more adaptive rather than saying, this is where we're going. I needed to listen more to people. The big blind spot for me, they were saying that because I was a pragmatic and short-term thinker, I'm unlikely to be able to perform in roles that are more conceptual of nature and forward thinking. So some of those things sort of piss me off a little bit, but some of the things I nod my head and go, yep, that's right. But I think that's the first blocker for me was, was how I was taking that sort of stuff personally. So that was way back in 2009. And if I think back to then working in a role that was very much around selling, building relationships in a particular market with a particular organization, and seemed to be to me that things fitted quite well. But in, my, in the back of my mind, there was something else that was really going on for me. And, and I started to become open when I spoke with this person at this time. They asked me about what other things would you like to be doing? And I started to talk about using my teaching background to train people in sales, product development, product management, ops management, whatever it might have been. And I also had an interest in employee well-being. So those little seeds were starting to sprout back in 2009. But I do recall that every time I did my career conversation and, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, that I'd sort of shrink back a little bit here. And I, I wouldn't talk about those things. I'd keep myself very much within my own lane that uh, that's your job and don't start to look outside that because you're not quite sure what reaction you're going to get. So sort of stuck, I'm going to say, and I'm sure many of you can relate to that. There might be something else that is on your mind. I was asked, I think, back in about 2007, if I'd like to move into a more of a people-focused role in HR, and my response at the time, and this was through another profiling tool, was I'm not qualified, and I just left it at that. So I'm not qualified. I don't have the piece of paper. I don't think that I'd be able to do the work. And I'll just get you to hold that thought for a moment. I'm not qualified because I don't have the piece of paper. So one thing that I did in 2011, and I'm looking again at this piece of paper right now, and it was my, I guess, call it my first attempt at being brave, being honest, and being bold about what I really was passionate about and wanted to do or wanted to be when I grew up. So we're talking career here. And I got to the point where it was like, it's time. It is time to put it down on paper, feel a bit, let's call it uncomfortably uncomfortable and put it out to the world. So here were those words. And I look at this today, and this is now what we're 11 years on now. And I look at it and I think that was the moment when I really started to look at the potential I had rather than pigeonholing myself. Because we do pigeonhole ourselves first and then we are pigeonholed by others. So in essence, here's what I said, that my future aspirations, now I'm currently in this time a sales director. 
So I'm in the sales space looking after a team of about 20, 30 people. But here's what I said with a big, deep breath. I'd like to move into the people space and join the HR team. I'm also wanting to explore the possibility of over the next 12 to 18 months of working part-time in the organisation and exploring my own business as well. The sorts of things that I was really, really passionate about were people development, were looking at ways to humanise the workplace so that people didn't look at work and outside of work as different. And ultimately, I wanted to start my own business and consult back into the organisation and other organisations that had an appetite to take a more human-centred approach to work. And I actually sent that off, hit the button on press to send and hit the button on the email. And at the time I did it, I remember feeling a little bit terrified, perhaps somewhat embarrassed, and, and I'm going to say this, very, very exposed. And the sorts of questions that came back were they were a little bit surprised, like, why do you want to do that for? You, you're successful, you're doing well as a sales director, the results are great, the people are well engaged, your engagement's in the 90s, um, why would you want to go and do that? And I guess my response was that it was time, it was time for me to go and be brave, honest and bold and go and do something different. So that's sort of the starting point and that's now, you know, we're talking 11 years ago and at the time, I was also introduced to another profiling tool, which is one I, I highly recommend to people to use these days. It was created by a fellow by the name of Marcus Buckingham, who was ex-Gallup and has done some pretty amazing work around, let's call it strength-based assessment. And this thing is called Standout, or now they call it Standout 2.0. And I sat down and took that, let's call it a test. It's not a test. I took that assessment and it literally out of nine strengths, it gives you your top two strengths in order, number one and number two. And then it starts to give you some sense around what does it look like? Why is that important to you? What does it look like when we combine both those strengths? And also, which I really love, what's it look like when these strengths can become derailers because you rely on them so much. I think that's a really critical point is sometimes we, we lean in so much on our strengths that we don't see that they can become derailers for us. So when I did this, I came up as what they called a teacher provider. And with those two roles combined, what then came next, which started to really make sense to me was this little summary, which was you create a safe place for people to learn because they know you will not let them fall. The phrases to describe myself, I like listening to people tell me what they do and how they do it. I like getting down in the dirt with people, seeing the world through their eyes, customers, colleagues, friends, and I think I can truly help them only if I've seen their perspective. I don't think I can teach people in the same way. Instead, I'm always looking for how each person's mind works and what motivates her or him. I can pick up on other people's feelings, whether they are customers or colleagues. 
This one blew me away because I hear this all the time now. People seem to trust me quickly because I don't judge them, although I do. I find it really easy to see things from their perspective. And when it comes to finding solutions, I, I am able to help people get into the brainstorming stage because they need to feel okay in sharing the ideas they have. So all sorts of pieces of the puzzle were starting to come together. And, and, and ultimately, I left where I was at Australia Post and set up my own business very much off the back of, I'm going to say, my lived experience and my experience in the workplace and, and ultimately being bold, being brave, being honest, and then working through what I call the POC process which I'm going to take you through those steps. And I really encourage you to think about it. If you're at a point now where you're starting to have those moments of, look, oh, I think there's something else for me. It's, there's been a stirring in me for some time, but I continue to push it away. This is a really, really, I think, human way to start to explore that a bit more deeply. So you can become brave, bold, and honest with somebody else and start to talk about what you really want to be when you grow up. And I'll give you some examples as we go through. So the P is for passion, this whole idea of what's going to get me up before the alarm clock goes off in the morning. And, and I used the, the five whys, basically asking myself the question why five times to come up with the root cause or the real answer to the question rather than being flaky, superficial and skimming the surface and saying, oh, I want to do that because I'm a people person, I had to dig deeper. And it took me some time. And if you're going to do this activity, fellow humans, it's not a half hour activity. It is a half day activity, uninterrupted, deep work, thinking of yourself, not thinking about others, not picking your phone up because it beeps. It's just you sitting there with your computer or I find it better with a bit of paper and just digging deep into it. So I went through the five whys process and my fifth why was making every human belong. So that was sort of the starting part is like I'm into belonging, I'm into connection, I'm into helping others to connect with themselves, belong as self and then connect with others and belong in teams, departments, organizations, and communities. So that ticked that first box. Hard work to do because you can get distracted, but very, very important work. The second one, the O, is opportunity. And that starts to get into the place, and, and the word that puts people off a lot, the N word, which is networking. And if you start to realize your passion and you might also start to look at it and go, well, if my passion is a little bit different to, let's call it the circles I move in today, or maybe some of the circles you move in are similar, what it's going to mean is you're going to need to start to find those opportunities to network. And I call this growing your network tree. And like growing any tree or any plant or whatever it might be, we've got to feed it, we've got to water it, we've got to care for it. We've got to cut off the bits that are no longer good. So if there's any sort of dead bits and pieces, we cut them off, we prune them off so it can regenerate and grow again. And the whole idea with this was simply to get a piece of paper again, 
represent the tree with the tree trunk. And then as I was building my network and looking for those opportunities, I was adding a leaf here and a leaf there and then maybe a branch. And it started to show me that it wasn't all about me trying to make my own progress. It was about me becoming curious and reaching out to people that I thought I could never talk to and then asking them simply to tell their story. So it wasn't about reaching out to someone and asking them for a job. It was about reaching out to another human being and just asking them to talk to me about how they got to where they got to because what they were doing was something that I really liked. I had someone on Friday say to me, I'm sorry to say this, Mark, but I want your job. And I said, well, you don't want my job. You want your version of this job that is more aligned to what you want to do. It just might be the similar type of work that I'm doing today. And I really applaud it when someone's brave enough to say that because I want to help that person and I'll help them through networking with them and sharing my story on what's and all, the good times, the shit times, whatever's happened along the way to help them not to maybe make all the mistakes I made. I want them to make some mistakes, but not all the mistakes, but also give them some tips and tools and hints and help so that they can get themselves perhaps to a place they want to be to a little bit quicker and on a bit less bumpier road than I did. So this is all about reaching out to people. That's the opportunity piece. It's not about going to some networking event, giving someone your business card and hoping like hell you never, ever set eyes on them again. That's a compliance-based approach to networking. Maybe ticking a box that you needed to to say you'd been to 12 networking events in the year, that gets you nowhere. You've really got to be invested in this. You've got to be curious and you've got to be courageous enough to reach out to people that you would have thought you could never speak to because you will be surprised at how open and generous human beings are when they get a chance to tell their story. The third one is capability. And I'm going to break capability into two parts here. It's our technical capability, our technical skills that we've developed and we've honed and we've continued to grow over time. And it's our human skills, sometimes called soft skills, but that's an absolute bullshit term. It's those human essential skills that are transferable, particularly for those who are saying, you know what, I've been doing this job for a long time and I've really lost my passion for it, but I'm certainly passionate about something else. And it's really doing an audit on yourself, looking at your strengths, looking at what's unique about you, looking at what you're known for in both your technical proficiency and your human essential skills and how they can be transferred or used to continue for you to build. And then, secondly, looking at areas of development for you, looking at areas that you need to keep developing in in order to get to where you want to be. And I say both the technical and the human because these skills are both absolutely necessary for you to get to where you want to be. But at times, we focus too much just on the technical skills. So we've got passion, we've got opportunity, and we've got capability. And I want to share with you a real live example because lived experience is good. I had someone working in my team who had been in like a, a bids and tenders team for I think 10 years. And 
this was a human being who I had a lot of time for and was someone who was a little introverted and didn't particularly share about what they really wanted to be when they grew up until they got a chance to go through the passion, opportunity and capability process. And as we started to have our conversation, I could detect that there was a a need for this person to open up and to share where they'd really like to be. And ultimately, what they said to me was, my real passion is project management. Now, we're talking about 2011, 2012 now having this conversation. So my response to that was, what you need to do is do the hard work now, understanding through the five whys why you're passionate about project management, understanding the opportunity and the networks that you need to start to create because the space you play in today as far as your job goes is not where those people are. So how do we start to help you to build that network, have conversations with people in the project management space about why they love it so it can reinforce to you why you might want to be there. And then the third one is do your capability audit. So off they went and they did the work and Let's talk now of 11 years down the track where this person now is working in a educational institution, the second one they've worked in, in the project management space, both teaching project management and also delivering on projects through the project management skills that they've built. Now, if we hadn't have had that conversation 11 years ago and that person was given permission and, I, and I, I really want to highlight this, giving your people permission to be brave, to be honest, and to be bold about what they really want to be when they grow up, they wouldn't be there. They may well be in the same sort of role they were in, maybe in a different organisation because they just got jack of being in the same place, but I don't think they would be where they are today unless they were given the permission to do that. So, If you are a manager and you're managing people and you get caught in the old, keeping them where you want them to be, pigeonholing them because it's good for you, you need to snap out of that habit because, you know, there's far too much opportunity today, particularly with what's gone on in the last two years, for people to move around and they will move if they don't get some sort of opportunity to pursue their passion, to be given the opportunity to network and also to be given a chance to look at their capability and, and continue to develop in the areas they need to. I'm very proud of this person because of their nature. They were introverted, but they stepped out. I'm also proud of myself that I gave that person the opportunity and the safe space to have a conversation that may have felt a little scary. So in our roles as managers, we need to create that space and that opportunity for people to step into what they really want to be when they grow up rather than telling me what they thought I wanted to hear in order to keep me happy and to keep them safe. So we really need to embrace this and I think this is the great time to be doing that and it's like no other time because if we want to retain great talent rather than just doing the nine box activity or some sort of psychometric profiling or some sort of, I'm going to call it, this is the cynical mark near, by the way, tick and flick career development conversation that sort of goes like this. Fill out this form. Tell us some courses you want to go on. Tell us about where you want to be in three to five years' time. 
and we'll fold that one away and we'll look at it again literally in 12 months' time without doing any of the work in between. Because one of the things that are in the top four reasons why human beings stay in organisations is they absolutely feel like they've been given the opportunity to develop, to grow, to move into and progress into new roles rather than stay stagnant. And I'm going to say at times be promised and hollowly promised opportunities that most times never arise. I wonder if any of you have ever heard from their, your boss who's saying, you know, you're next in line. So, you know, I'll be moving on at some stage and I've earmarked you for the next step. Now, nobody ever knows that. And we build the hopes up of people. And when we build their hopes up and their hopes get crushed and deflated, we end up with demotivated and disengaged employees. So that's the process as such, the passion, the opportunity, the capability, the ability for human beings to feel like they've been given permission, and I use that word permission, to be bold, be brave, and be honest about what they really want to be when they grow up. I sort of wanted to finish with this today, that it's not all about the manager here as well. So if you are a manager, it is not your responsibility 100% to make sure that your people get to where they want to get to. In fact, I think it's a, at best, 50-50 game. I really think it's more of a 30-70 game, 30% onus on the manager to be having the right conversations, to be giving the permission, to be honest about where you see where people are at and to be really helping them and to be helpful for them to get where they want to get to. And sometimes that will mean it's not in the organisation they're in And one of the things you can do, even though it feels bad, is you can help them get to where they need to be, even though in the short term it might impact negatively on you as the manager. Now I turn to the employee here and I want you to to think about this because we're all employees regardless of whether we have a fancy title or not. You are the work and you have to do the hard work. If you are waiting for somebody to get you that next promotion or send you on that next program or basically build your career for you, you are going to be sadly disappointed along the way. And it's an easy one to play the victim, to step into victimhood and say, well, my boss didn't really look after me. I didn't really get opportunities. So it is your responsibility to do the work. Step through the passion activity with the five whys to really get a sense of what you're passionate about. I'd say go back through some of your psychometric profiling and the profiling tools. Look for some patterns in there around what's going really well and maybe look for some patterns on repetitive stuff from people where it's not going as well as it should be. And don't ignore that and don't blame others for that. Have a look in your mirror and start to look for patterns as I did. And then do your capability audit. You know, what are you known for? What are you great at? What's unique about you? Let's get those above-the-line positive strength-based characteristics and qualities out there and also delve a little bit then into the -the below-the-line place where, you know, there are some things that you are doing that are not useful, that, that you'll need to either discard or at least get them to a place where they're average. And, and this is another thing too. We can't be brilliant at everything, but we shouldn't try and be average at everything. 
as well. Let's be brilliant at one or two things and let's get up to average on the others is what I'd say. So it is your work to do. You need to spend some time on this. This is an investment. You don't do this work after you've done the other work, you know, your day-to-day stuff, which is important. But if you're not spending the time on yourself and your career and thinking about these sorts of things, you are going to be disappointed along the way past a rate you can absorb, that's when you'll start to blame others rather than looking into your own mirror. So do the work is what I'd say. So I want to challenge you to have a go at the passion, opportunity and capability activity. What am I passionate about? What networks do I need to build? What skills have I got and what skills do I need to develop both human and technical? Spend that time And once you've done that, the other thing you can look at is, what is that dream job for me? And I did that work way back in 2009 to 2011. I had the courage in the end to go, the work that I really want to do is not in sales. It's in the people space. And ultimately, I moved into the people space because I was given the opportunity and permission to write a a, a bit of a dream job spec, which turned into a role, which ultimately had me experimenting with to find out whether what I really loved was what I was great at. And here's some smoke up the ass blowing. I found out that I loved it and I was great at it. And ultimately it's become my business today. So you've got to do the work. And if you're a manager, you've got to be prepared to give your people permission to tell you what they really want to be when they grow up. So there's today's short, sharp, solo, self-indulgent edition of the Simply Practically Human podcast. If you loved it, please rate it five stars and please leave a review and tell me about why you loved it. I think this is really important. It's uh, I don't have a crystal ball that says I think people are loving it. I did notice the other day I'm starting to sort of push up into the, the top 20 or 30 with business podcasts, but I'd like to know why I'm moving in that direction rather than being blind to that because I can give people more. And if you liked it, and if you think you've got some friends who are in this space right now around their careers, share it with them. Share the podcast link with them. Tell them to have a listen. Tell them to try the passion, opportunity, and capability activity, and you might just become the most helpful human for them in this year. But as I always say to finish up, fellow humans, let's keep it simple, let's keep it practical, and let's keep it human. Bye for now.